0: To the Cloud Pod, where the forecast is always cloudy. We talk weekly about all things AWS, Google, and Azure. We
1: are your hosts, Justin, Jonathan, and Peter. Episode 59, recorded on February 12th, 2020. The Cloud Pod Goes to Mars. Hey, good evening, Jonathan. How's it going?
0: It's great. I've had a really good, fun week this week.
1: And uh, coming fresh out of quarantine, uh, Peter has joined us back from his trips to Asia. Hey, Peter. <coughs> Hello,
2: <laughs> can
1: you hear me? <laughs> Live. Yes, yes, we can.
0: From the quarantine <laughs> cell. <laughs>
1: <laughs> How's it going? It's been going well. We, uh, we missed you the last few weeks, but uh, I know you've been having uh, much more fun enjoying some Japanese whiskey. How was, the, uh, how was the trip in general?
2: I had a ball. I was in Okinawa, which was awesome, and then uh, spent a ton of, uh, ton of time in uh, Seoul, which was my first time there, and it was incredible. And got to I got to do tons of stuff there. It was super fun.
1: Very nice. Uh, hopefully you were not uh, too bothered by coronavirus running around.
2: It was crazy. We had we were staying in a hotel where every time you came in the building, every entrance to the building was guarded by someone with a thermometer, and they would laser check your temperature before you're allowed in the hotel. Wow. Yeah, and wow. it was funny because there's and like every single person on the street except for me is wearing a mask and. Uh, they had like one confirmed case in the whole country.
1: Mm. Everyone remembers SARS, so they're, uh, they're, everyone's very concerned, I think, over there. And I've seen it even on airplanes here in the States, people wearing masks and uh, being very concerned. So good to be diligent, I guess. But uh, hopefully we get control of this here pretty soon before it gets too bad. Yeah,
2: definitely. Definitely affecting many people.
1: Well, we are, we are glad to have you back. We did uh, have Ian and Ryan join us while you were gone, and it was a good time. But uh, we always enjoy you here on the show. Awesome. Happy to be back. All right. Well, let's jump into the news. Uh, Amazon Web Services, of course, has announced registration for Amazon Remars. Uh, Amazon Remars this year will be in Las Vegas at the lovely Aria Casino June 16th through 19th in Las Vegas uh, with standard pricing starting at 19.99. dollars uh, If you are a NASA astronaut or former astronaut of any country, not just NASA, uh, you can go for free. So just keep that in mind. If you're out there listening and you, you rent a space, you can go for free. Uh, New for this year at Amazon Remars, the Developer Day is uh, now available for engineers and developers to engage with the Amazon product teams. And there are over 100 main event sessions and activities featuring visionaries working on the future, organizations applying these technologies today, and even taking a peek behind the curtain of Amazon's own implementations. Check out Machine Learning, RoboMaker, Alexa Skills, and Alexa for Device Makers, all at Remars. And if you're a student or an academic, uh, there's also some special discount pricing for you if you follow the link in the show notes to this article.
2: Oh, there you go. Is any, are, Either are you going?
0: That's to be decided.
2: Oh, nice. Still up in the air. I'm, I'm,
0: I'm uh, looking for a promotion to a VP or above so I can get a ticket. Um, so that's in uh, Justin's court right now. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Justin, go ahead and approve the promotion to CEO. That's
0: right. Jonathan. Yeah. That's right. I, I, I
1: mean, I mean t- t- technically, you are the VP of technology here at the CloudPod. Yeah. So I, I think it's a fair fair ask of them to give you a free ticket to go to it.
0: Yeah, I mean, we, we, could, we could try for that, yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I should reach out to our media contacts, see if we can get to either a media pass or...
0: But I, I heard that if you had a media pass, nobody would talk to you.
1: That is, that is true. They don't want to talk to you. That's Even better.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. So I, I just got one question about Remar's. Um, it's just like reinvent's just full of uh like the low lives now, and they they had to have a whole new conference just for the elite, because it kind of seems like you know with the price point and it's still for developers. So like why why the um why the difference now?
1: I think it's trying to be specialized and heavily focused at robotics, manu- you know, and machine learning for this type of technology, uh, self-driving cars, and I think they felt that was a big enough of a market that they wanted to address it separately. We talked about at. Uh, CES you know all of the Amazon automotive stuff this is a great place for them to showcase some of that technology that doesn't maybe fit into reInvent I think uh, but you know it, it is a good question but again this is the Amazon Remars this is Jeff Bezos's baby versus uh, AWS reInvent which is AWS so, oh, that's a good so I think it's it, that's also a part of it as well as the naming kind of indicates you know the focus and where the where it's at
0: I would be uh, a certain look forward to going if I had the opportunity
1: yeah, I I I don't think I want to go. I'm going to go to Rainforest, pretty sure, and then I'm skipping Reinvent, sending you guys instead. Uh, but uh, we should definitely try to get someone out to Remark. I don't know,
0: like if you get a chance to be around robots or around uh, information security people, I, I'm going to pick the robots. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, you're the things I like to do for fun. The things you like to do for fun. They're different, Jonathan. It's okay. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> Well, uh, over on the uh, AWS open source blog, which we don't typically talk about a lot there, because um, it's, it's typically a more blog post server like this one, uh, they've posted a, this neat serverless code to let you sync route target updates across the route table. Uh, this is a Lambda function uh, triggered by an API gateway REST call for either an event or a polling client, uh, which they provide you an example code of. And the Lambda function itself retrieves the main default route table for the VPC via the identifier supplied. And if valid, then select the route by the IPv for CIDR block included in the request body. This match route is validated to ensure that it is in an inactive state in the main route table and then passes it over. Uh, so you can get a lot of automation in your process for syncing routes across multiple VPCs. I think it's kind of neat. What do you think, Jonathan?
0: Well, it, it is kind of neat in itself. I mean, I I love serverless so as technology, and this is a really good use case for people who maybe have only a few VPCs or something, but um, I think Ruby Goldberg would be excited to see this kind of solution when you have things like Transit Gateway, which would solve this for you anyway. I mean, why why orchestrate route changes across hundreds of VPCs when you can do it centrally with a Transit Gateway solution? Good point,
1: good point.
2: Yeah, uh, Yeah, we love building stuff like this when there's some crazy requirement why we have to do it, but then you think, you know, there better be a crazy requirement why you had to do it.
0: Yeah. yeah, and I, I mean, I, the, the, the 15 seconds uh, SLA for the root changes things, that's all really cool. I, I really like what they've done here. In fact, I think that the pattern in general is very good for orchestrating changes. But I think networking is kind of already been solved now. So I may, may, maybe we can reuse the same pattern for, for other things.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's good for a pattern that you definitely want to take a look at. But it it is definitely nice to have these really practical examples for these solutions, even though they're not always the right solution for everybody. And that's why I do really enjoy the open source blog um, for these type of solutions, but they're typically not newsworthy. But this one is kind of cool because if this is a problem you're having, this is actually kind of a neat solution for that. But I agree, it is a little Rube Goldberg. Uh, you could do something a little different. Yeah, I like it. Well, Amazon CodeDeploy is now supporting linear and canary deployments for Amazon ECS. Uh, this is via the CodeDeploy pipeline. It's Of course, CodePipeline supports Blue and Green use cases to safely test new versions. Uh, this leverages the ALB-weighted target groups, and you can use CloudWatch alarms, and if an issue is detected, CloudDeploy will automatically reverse the traffic routing to your original version and de-provision de-pro- uh, de- uh, those new containers. Uh, there are some predefined linear and canary deployment configurations available, from uh, including 10% every 5 minutes, 10% every 15, uh, or 10 every 1 or 3 minutes for a linear deployment. Uh, the blog post will walk you through setting up the entire process, uh, which is really great if you want a step-by-step guide. Uh, and this is a pretty nice feature available to you now if you're doing a lot of work with ECS, which uh, I happen to be.
0: So I'm going to ask you a, a very important question to me. Have you ever heard the term linear deployments before?
1: Uh, no, I not. Okay, so I had not. That's,
0: that, that's great. <laughs> I, I thought it was just me. I thought it was like missing something after like 25 years in the industry. Like I've had, had this term get past me. So I Googled linear deployments. The first hit that comes up in Google is this blog post <laughs> for CodeDeployment. Oh my God, that's funny. <laughs> right. So, I mean, I, I, actually I... I like that you can now automate the incremental transition of traffic from from blue to green, basically, as long as everything's going well. That's really cool that that you can orchestrate that now, but I think they kind of should have qualified it with, hey, we just invented this new deployment technique.
2: (laughs) Well, But, I mean, is linear deployments really just rolling deployments?
0: No, no, it, no! It literally, you, you start off at ten percent, going to your, the, the, you know, the, the green side, and then after ten minutes, you go to twenty percent, and then thirty percent, forty percent, and it, it's it, you can pre-stage the change of, of, of uh, like ratios of traffic between the two environments. Gotcha.
2: So versus rolling, where it's per server instead of per percent of uh, traffic.
0: Well, I guess you could always you, you could always control. Uh, like on a low bouncer, like or even Route 53, like a weighted target group or something. But there's, there's never been a way, as far as I know, that you could pre stage the timeline of transition from one to the other and gently phase in a new version. So this is, it's kind of cool.
2: We just went through an issue with a customer who was very disappointed that Code Deploy only supported blue green. Um, so. What, do they want red? Gosh. Purple? <laughs> no, they want a canary. They want a canary on ECS. Oh, ah, and it wasn't available yet. Okay.
1: so No. The hard news. The problem has is been, not been solved.
2: Well, yeah, yeah. After after, the engineering has been done to yep. circumvent the problem.
1: <laughs> well, that's that's. I mean, that's the beauty of building on anyone else's platform. You always have a risk of getting Sherlocked. Yeah. There yeah. Yeah. So, oh well. That's a that's a bummer. You build that beautiful code, but now you yeah. now you can replace it with something Foo-foo, that you don't right have to away. maintain. On the bright
0: side, you are you're ahead of the curve, right? <laughs>
1: yeah. That's what we do. Yeah. Maybe on one side of it, you get to charge them twice. You, get, you charge them for the complicated way, and then you get to charge them to replace it with a new, sol- new tool. Yeah, that breaks my heart, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's always a bummer. Uh, consulting. It's fun times. Yeah. Uh, Amazon QuickSight uh, has launched enhancements to narrative editor and anomaly detection. Uh, this now allows you to use a full-screen narrative editor with a preview mode. Uh, and so I had seen this, actually, in a report that Ryan had built for me uh, on server growth at my com- my day job. And uh, it was interesting because I didn't actually know how he did it. I thought it was just like a manual text field where he had a dynamic field that would just change it. Uh, but apparently, it's using this narrative features. And so then I asked him if this was cool. And he said, oh, yeah, that, editing those narratives is garbage. And so oh. this is a much better improvement. <laughs> so well, uh, he apparently he apparently says this is a, a very welcome change to uh, QuickSight. And so uh, if you're trying to use this uh, in any way, This is now available to you. It also supports static and dynamic URLs within the narrative, allowing you to create URLs based on custom computed functions. Uh, And now it also can leverage machine learning to allow you to define thresholds for anomalies that you can then tie into that narrative as well. So overall, if you are trying to use QuickSight for something more elegant, uh, this is pretty nice. QuickSight's coming (laughs) around. I mean, I I don't think it's ready to replace Tableau in most companies yet, but maybe someday. Maybe
2: someday. It sneaks up on you, right? It sneaks up on you. All so everyone's like, why are we paying all this money for this third-party product? When,
0: when we pay Amazon instead, yeah. <laughs> well pay
1: Amazon like a tenth the cost, yeah. I, although, uh, if you use that new VPN client they have, uh, I, I did see that it's like 50 cents per user per hour for that. So you know, I don't know if that's cheaper than just running around an open VPN server. Not yet. <laughs> exactly. Not yet. Uh, well, the uh, well-architected tool uh, has now caught up to the uh, legacy version of the well-architected framework. If you were losing the old method where Amazon would come in and do your well-architected review, or you're having your partner come in and do it, uh, they could get a lens uh, to basically change the questions to be more specific to serverless, or HPC, compute workloads, or IoT. Uh, So that is now coming to the well-architected tool. So you can now add that same lens right to your uh, self-assessment, or if you're using a partner that your partner is using to do it. Of course, the well-architected review typically consists of operational excellence, security, reliability, performance efficiency, and cost optimization uh, and if you think about that in a, in a serverless world, uh, cost is maybe less of a problem in, in many ways. Uh, but now this is, are coming here to, with the first one being the serverless and the other two will be coming uh, shortly, apparently according to this blog post.
2: That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, we're a well architected practitioner and I enjoy using this tool in general so much more than the old spreadsheets we used to have to use. Um, and I should mention that, uh, Foghorn does these well-architected reviews for qualifying companies uh, at no cost. So if people are interested in finding out if they qualify, I'd be happy to uh, talk to them. So send us an email.
0: Hey everyone, Jonathan here. I just wanted to take a minute to thank the cloud consulting gurus at Foghorn for helping make the cloud pod possible. These folks truly get it. Cloud consulting experts since 2008. They are premier tier partners with AWS, Google Cloud Platform Silver, and Microsoft Azure partners. From multi-cloud to containers to moving full production workloads to the cloud under the tightest compliance, Foghorn's team of full-stack cloud engineers have been there, done that, gotten the t-shirt and are ready to share their experience with you. If you're in the market for some talent to supplement your team, visit www.fogops.io slash the cloud www.fogops.io slash the cloud pod. Foghorn, the promise of cloud delivered.
1: over uh, if we use you to do the walkthrough review and you find problems, they'll also throw in a credit to you to help us fix them. Not only do you get it for free, but you also get some of the resolution for free too. Exactly.
2: Yeah. So they, they, they counter the cost you would pay us to do the remediation by giving you AWS credits for your account to match. It's awesome. It's been super valuable for our customers who were, you know, on the fence about it. We brought it up to them. They weren't, they didn't have a dying need for it. And then found some really Cool low hanging fruit that they can take care of really easily. We took care of it and then it's effectively free. So it was super fun.
0: So, can you tell me like some of the things you may have found and, and helped resolve? Because I've been through the Will Architects review with um, like a solutions architect from Amazon before. And I, I kind of found it to be kind of very basic. I mean, you know, are using auto scaling groups? Are using CloudWatch for for logging? Are using this kind of thing? Yeah. So, like, what, what 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 can you bring? Like, that's above the the most simple common practices. So,
2: I guess I'll just name one thing that I've noticed across a few customers, and that would be credentials management, where um, they don't even realize how they're handling credentials uh, until you start asking, and um, and you have the right people in the room to answer, uh, and you know. Your company is a pretty sophisticated company, but a, a lot of people are learning this stuff on the fly where they're training their individual resources. They're not bringing in experts to build a practice. And people just don't know that they're not supposed to, you know, follow the examples online where you hard code your credentials into your code or, you know, they're in a plain text file in their box and, um, you know, other other situations like that. So credentials management has... Has been one that's surfaced many times. Even if people are doing it uh, uh, in a in a secure method, it might be a really high maintenance method. Where we can lower that maintenance level by you know getting rid of the complicated method they're using to secure credentials and just replacing it with pro, uh, instance profiles, things like that. You find and uh, can replace pretty easily and and eliminate a lot of ongoing management cost or greatly secure their environment
0: on credentials I, I've i been playing around with um, SSM a little bit recently and I kind of tweeted about it about how wonderful it was and how everything else was dead to me and I, I really kind of feel that way because uh, I realized that you can give SSM a role which gives it permission to get secrets from a secret manager but you don't have to give the instance profile the, the permissions to get the same secrets so SSM can run an automation mm. document, get the secrets, do the configuration and everything else, and then, then it can completely go away. Like it's, you know, you're never going to call it again because it was in user data. And now now if in, if anyone breaks into the instance, they they have no access to those secrets anymore in plain text. It's it's really, really cool.
1: Yeah, you'll have to tell us more about your SSM adventures here in a future show on your cool yeah. segment. Yeah, I would
0: love to. I mean, it's, it's definitely, I mean, it's cool tool worthy for sure.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, we're actually going to do an immersion day on it pretty soon. I'm super excited about Multi-region asynchronous object replication solution is uh, now available to you. This is a quick start solution that allows you to set up replication of an S3 uh, put event in one region, change it in a different region. So, for example, create the object in Oregon. In Singapore region, you can rename it, and then you can delete them in Dublin region. And all those changes are replicated to all of the regions around the world. Uh, the solution is designed for workloads that can tolerate loss of events and variations and replication speeds. And again, uh, this is the second pattern we have today that I think is kind of interesting uh, that some customers try to get, try to figure out how to do, and this is a nice solution for that as well. Uh, I think, Jonathan, you might disagree.
0: <laughs> um, I mean, when you, when you publish a blog post and you preface the whole thing with, this is really for people who don't care about resilience of data and data loss and everything else, then I, I kind of... <laughs> I kind of wonder why it's uh, on the corporate blog because people generally care about those things. I mean, I, I guess all, what, what, they've, what they've turned on is the ability to replicate things which weren't replicated before. So before, if an object was placed into a bucket because of a replication event, it wouldn't cascade to other regions. And now you can cascade those changes to other regions. But... Um, it, it bothers me that it's a solution which is not, which has no integrity. You know, there's no file locking, there's there's no object locking, so it's it's really um, luck of the draw. So while it may be useful for some re, for, for some things, uh, I, I wouldn't want to be involved in a project where um, people didn't care about the resiliency of their data.
2: Yeah, I, I saw it as a um, sort of a ninety five percent. Complete solution for companies who build an app that isn't multi-region aware, and so, uh, but they want that they want to go from single region to multi-region, and if they can get away with, you know, some sort of you know risk of data loss there. I mean, my bet is you're not going to see much, if any, data loss ever with this solution, and that that's like that's their uh, legal language on the bottom. Uh, but you can take this app that is not smart enough to have to deal on its own with um, handling you know, data in multiple regions. It just knows how to write to a single bucket in its region and roll that out to a bunch of regions without any change to your application code.
0: But I think what Amazon really need is a, a global bucket option, where yeah. ju- just like yes. just like just like you have multiple copies in a in a region in multiple AZs for S three, they should offer a global bucket option where it replicates those things natively to another region. Without you, ha- I mean, I, I know they have the, the sync option, but that's even that's kind of like asynchronous. It may take ten minutes or fifteen minutes to get your objects there. But I I think they they need to have a global bucket option. Yeah. And this is kind of, uh, like, I guess it's like a this is like a, a semi implemented solution of that but um I, I guess it's, it's it still does not make me feel comfortable.
1: Yeah, I think it's like the prequel to that. Yeah. Yeah, I would love to see this actually become a solution that Amazon takes care of and manages for me and I don't have to worry about it uh versus deploying this lambda function that to keep updated. Yeah.
2: It's like the remember the uh uh highly available scripts to keep your to run to uh, not gateway instances, not instances. Yeah, the
0: heartbeat thing. <laughs>
2: yeah, that thing actually caused more downtime yep. for our customers than it saved, but like they created that and that was like the prequel to NAT gateway.
1: Oh yeah, I remember when. <laughs> yeah. Moving on to our good friends up at Azure. Uh, Mark Russinovich, uh, the CTO of Microsoft Azure is back with another blog post this time on safe deployment practices in Azure. Uh, of course, uh, the primary cause of service reliability issues that are seen on Azure other than small but common hardware failures is change. And so this walks through uh, with a guest, written, a guest writer, uh, Christina Del Amo-Casado, uh, has basically walked you through the entire way uh, that their deployments are practiced, uh, how they use canary regions, uh, early access regions, et cetera, to make sure that these changes go in without a hitch, uh, which is really quite interesting, especially if this is a cloud that you're building on as your primary cloud. You should really know how these things are architected, and that will help influence your architecture as well. Just like we know in the case of AWS, uh, that they typically don't allow services to talk cross-regionally. They don't want a regional dependence. Uh, and so this is an area where Azure has a slightly different model. And so you should be aware of those things when you're architecting your application. So we won't talk about the whole article, because it's, it's quite lengthy. Uh, it's very interesting, and I, I read through it last night and was, was impressed with the level of detail they have here. Uh, and definitely, if you're using Azure, I recommend going to this link and reading through this. I'm
0: I'm kind of hoping this is like just the beginning of, as you're sharing their um their their knowledge and their best practices, just like Amazon did at reInvent with, with Werner, uh, you know, announcing their portal where they're publishing their white papers on how to do things at scale. I I, I kind of hope that Microsoft continue with publishing their best practices and maybe Google do the same thing.
1: Yeah, so this um I mean this this CTO of Microsoft Azure, Mark, uh, this is his blog series he's been doing for a while. This is where the tardigrade came from last year and some of the other things they've been talking about. So this is just continuation of that series. But yeah, this is the third or fourth article that they blogged about uh, a pretty key technical architecture decision. And so I do think this is going to be a continuing series that you'll see uh, come out and we'll keep you updated when they come out. Cause they're, they are really good. Yeah. I mean,
2: we forget we, we do this obviously every day of our lives, but we forget how monumental a shift in, uh, uh, in it infrastructure, this whole cloud model is. And the more, education we can all get the better
1: it's hard to keep up which is why i hope you're listening to the show <laughs> to help <laughs> you keep up with all this but uh yeah it's uh, it, i learn something new almost every day in in the aws and gcp and azure so uh, definitely keep on top of it if you can uh well uh azure apparently has taken a play out of the google handbook and has decided to kill something here uh, they're killing the app center auth and data preview services for mobile apps Uh, This apparently is part of their App Center mobile backend as a service. Uh, This was a service they built to help you do authentication uh, and handle access authorization rights inside of a mobile application. Uh, They apparently received feedback during the uh, preview that the better long-term path is for developers to use the native Azure services, namely uh, Azure AD for business to consumer, Azure Cosmos DB, and Azure Notification Hubs. And so they are retiring this on May 3rd, uh, 2020. So if you are using this, you need to start coding uh, right away. (laughs) If you're using these SDKs, uh, you'll be able to migrate to the before the RESTful APIs are shut down on the 3rd. And they do have a migration experience on the App Center portal to help identify what you need to do if you're not sure. Uh, so if you're using mobile apps uh, on top of Azure and you're using this feature, uh, go to check this out, ASAP. Does anybody still up. have a Windows phone? Uh, Windows phone. Too late. But not bad. It really wasn't a bad operating system. Just uh, way too late to compete with iOS and yeah. Android. Yeah, for sure. Plus, uh, they messed up. You know all those web mo- or Windows mobile OSs for so long.
0: <laughs> I, th- I think the sooner Microsoft kills their their uh, their embedded stuff, the better. I bet my my uh, my car, my Kia, on a, on a cold morning, and I'm talking California cold morning, so this is barely freezing. On a cold morning, I, I get uh, a Korean error messages popping up on the screen. I have to reboot the whole thing. Like. <laughs> Oh, nice. So, yeah, I think um, maybe, maybe the exit from the, the mobile-slash-IoT um, space, the better. Most large organizations run six or even more monitoring tools. Each of them uses a mixture of data collection techniques from technology providers, open-source communities, or custom integrations, and maintaining dozens of integrations across these tools can be a significant investment. Blue Midora introduces Bindplane, Not another monitoring platform, but the industry's first monitoring integration as a service. Bindplane can gather data from over 150 technology data sources spanning your entire organization. Remove or reduce your reliance on expensive monitoring and sim solutions by sending log data to Google Stackdriver, New Relic, or Azure Monitor. Check out the extensive list of integrations, all provided at no additional cost. Learn more and sign up for a free trial by visiting blumedora.com slash cloudpod the link's available in our show notes and as a bonus for cloudpod listeners blumedora are offering google compute platform credits to help get you started buy and plain seamlessly stream hybrid cloud and on-premise
2: metric and log data maybe that's a feature it's like uh, it's that cold you must not be in
1: san francisco you're in korea <laughs> maybe, maybe it's just telling you in korean that the roads are frozen yeah. You're just you're just like, know what is going on, and you just recycle it. So it's a bad bad uh, bad translation in the language. All right, Google has uh, released several interesting things this week. Uh, the first one being the Cloud Data Fusion uh, feature. This is a Google's fully managed data integration services for quickly building and managing data pipelines. Uh, this is based on the open source project CDAP, uh, this open-source project lets you build portable data pipelines. A self run CDAP server might set, satisfy your needs to run a few simple data pipelines, but when it comes to securing a large number of these pipelines, you often need to put a lot of effort into logging and monitoring the pipelines. To make that all easier, the Cold Cloud Data Fusion product takes care of all the heavy lifting for you, including cloud-native security controls with Cloud IAM, full observability with Stackdriver logging and monitoring, and reduced exposure to the public internet with private networking.
0: That's an interesting pattern. I mean, you can see Amazon going the same way. You can see Google going the same way with the private networking thing and not not traversing the public internet. But I I wonder if that's a little bit of theater, or whether it's it benefits them in some way because it doesn't touch their um, you know internet infrastructure more than anything else. Because everything's in- encrypted, um, whether it's public internet or not. Surely, surely your data's safe, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, for uh, from an Amazon perspective, if the biggest difference is you don't have to worry about having egress available at all. Yeah, and the
0: cost of egress for sure. There's definitely a, definitely a performance increase if you don't go through there. you know the the NATs out to the public IP IP space. But
2: well, yeah, and if you just don't want to route like from a from a isolated subnet out to the internet at all, you just want no NAT. Yeah, and
1: you still want access yeah. to the Amazon services. You can get it.
0: Yeah,
1: I, I think I think it has to do with latency, too. If they can get the NAT out of the process, getting the Internet Gateway out of the process, and just being able to connect it directly with something a little bit more robust in their network, that might be a, a much faster, less latent experience. Well, the, uh, the next one is if you are building those data pipelines, uh, it's important to consider the business needs now and in the future. And so they have provided the Cloud Composer, uh, which is a Google service built on top of Apache Airflow, uh, this is a fully managed workflow orchestration service that lets you author, schedule, and monitor pipelines that span across clouds and on-premise data centers built on Apache Airflow and using the Python programming language. Uh, the rest of the article goes through how to scale your systems for optimal performance using Airflow, and Google provides you a handy sizing calculator to help you get this right uh, the first time. Is that like Kron? Uh <laughs> Sort of. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's pretty much cron, right?
1: <laughs> I mean... A more complicated Cron that runs a data pipeline that transforms your data, sure. I guess so, sure. Cron. I'm fine with that.
2: I think
0: Airflow was a, uh, did it come from Uber? or I think, it, I think it was created by Uber and Apache took it over as a workflow automation solution. It's pretty cool.
1: It is pretty neat. Uh, I had checked it out a while back and was I'm always impressed with what it could do from an orchestration perspective. All right, moving on to our next story. Uh, Google Kubernetes has new friends uh, in that Windows server. Uh, Windows has gone full Kubernetes on GKE. Last year, the community, of course, had added that support for Windows container hosts. Uh, now this feature has made it to GKE, only six months later. Uh, Windows on GKE is part of a commitment to provide a first-class experience for hosting and modernizing Windows server-based apps on Google Cloud. Warning uh, containers on Windows can help you save your money, uh, as well as this beta release uh, can run si- uh, can run Windows and Linux containers side by side in the same cluster. Uh, the release also adds several other features supporting your Windows server containers, including private clusters, node auto upgrades, regional clusters, GMSA support, and LTS and semi-annual channel service channels for support.
0: Like, we're building Windows images now, and it takes like two hours to patch with all the reboots you need and everything else. Two hours to patch a Windows machine from a base image. It's just, it's insane.
1: Even yeah. the most recent basically, absolutely.
0: And like, and you, you want a Windows, you want to run a Windows VM, um, a, a decent size one, like with like 60, 64 cores or something. It costs you twice the price because of licensing costs for Windows than it does for the next VM. I think people will be better taking that money and spending their time porting their apps to to a different platform.
2: But in the meantime, I think I don't know. I just running a container based infrastructure is is such a different paradigm from a uh, a server based infrastructure and if you're 90% linux 10% windows how great is it to be able to still be in that one paradigm for you know for all of your infrastructure even if 10% of it is not as good as the other ninety percent.
0: But is it is it really that easy though? I mean, is it really that easy to drop a Windows app into a container and and say, great, we're, we're in containers now in the in the cloud? I I haven't seen it with Windows. I, I've seen challenges with, you know, because we're talking about Windows Core and we're missing lots of the UI components. We're missing lots of uh, support for uh, different fonts and things if you want to render documents. That's one being one of our challenges. Challenges at least. Um, I don't know. I think I, I think the the effort to to, to, to move to containers with Windows is probably equal to the effort to move to a different platform anyway. That's just my opinion. Everyone's got opinions. I haven't
1: tried enough. Yeah. I haven't done enough of it yet either. It's still too new.
0: Not to mention the, uh, the containers are like four gig
1: in size. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, there's that little issue. Uh, Requires uh, some is Yeah.
2: Disc is free. <laughs>
1: Doesn't matter. Unless it's that ultra premium blob disc, then it's not so free. All ah, right. Uh, Google is bringing 2020 vision to your data pipelines with their, some new enhanced monitoring. So, this is uh, apparently some standards they've created around data flow observability uh, features that will allow you to identify, diagnose, and remediate your pipelines faster than ever before. Uh, there's a quote here from uh, Matuz Jurasek, uh, software engineer at Okado Technology uh, The killer feature of the page is the ability to see the throughput of each processing step. It's great to, that all of the statistics are gathered in one place in the job metric page. Displaying so data freshness and system latency enables us to quickly and preemptively detect anything that might affect reliability and then use other charts or logs to investigate and address what we discover. Uh, more features are coming to the observability platform in the next several months, including memory and disk usage charts, IO metrics uh, s- such as response latencies, and uh, pups of calls and visualizers that will significantly enhance the explainability of data flow jobs.
0: Well, it's cool. It looks very pretty. But I, I do have to point out that AppDynamics has been around for a very long time. And this is basically AppDynamics for data pipelines. It's nothing new. It's not revolutionary.
1: <laughs> yes, it is. but it's not as expensive as AppDynamics.
0: It's not as expensive?
1: Not as expensive.
0: Wow.
2: All I know is it's obviously data pipeline week. <laughs> it is.
1: A lot of data pipeline work. Yeah,
0: yeah yes. uh, yes. there's definitely. Um, I've noticed this year. Uh, well, I say this year. I mean, like the the past six months, a definite shift from amazing new tech from Google to a uh, much more targeted kind of advertising of things that you can do for, at a corporate level. I think this is the influence of the uh, of the Thomas Kurian um, sales technique. Because this isn't anything new. We we could do this stuff before, but but now it's. Somewhat native.
1: Well, I mean, they, all the vendors kind of do these tactics, right? I mean, how many announcements come from Amazon each week that are, you know, this new f- this feature is now available in GovCloud or in you know five more regions? Like, there's there's so much stuff that these guys put out there in the market just to have their name in the press, because uh, it keeps it front in mind to people, uh, it's just what you the reality you deal with. Yep. And our final GCP story for tonight: uh, you can now easily upgrade your Windows Server 2008 R2 instances, uh, which went end of life at the beginning of the year. Uh, while migrating to the Google Cloud. Uh, this is a new feature to migrate off compu- uh, migrate for computer engine. It allows you to simultaneously migrate and replatform your Windows Server 2008 R2 systems into Windows Server 2012. So not only do you not get the most recent version of Windows, you that one ends of life in like three more years. So <laughs> it only gets you three years. <laughs> uh, Everything running on that original system will persist, but when the migration is done, it will be running on a completely new OS. And this can be done with physical and virtual servers from on-prem, and also with VMs currently running in AWS or Azure. Now, I mean, I could do this too uh, with my, you know, just moving applications, but that doesn't mean it's going to work. So I'm a little, I'm a little perplexed how they've worded this article because uh, Windows apps are not always the most easy to transport between versions, uh, and as well, you still have to do regression testing and a bunch of other stuff. So. Do take this with a grain of salt. It's not a silver bullet to get you out of that uh, security compliance issue that you're running Windows Server 2008.
2: Yeah, a little bit misleading. I feel like knowing dirty details of what happens sometimes when upgrading those operating systems with third-party apps running on them. Indeed. Yeah,
0: at least at least they can automate the the, the test process. Uh, you you give, them a, give them a VM, they upgrade it. Does it continue to work? Yes, that's great. That's a good sign. It's not going to be a, a bunch of effort, so... It, I guess it saves the effort in at least testing the uh, the upgrade path, but I kind of wonder why Microsoft didn't come up with this first, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, I think they do have some tools, and I think Microsoft or Google has some tools, or sorry, AWS has some tools as well. So there are there are similar stories like this out there, but uh, yeah, Google's going to be there too.
0: I mean, the the, the whole sales pitch, if you read through it out, you're like, one of the the last paragraphs is basically, well, you could use this or you could do it manually. So I'm pretty sure that what they're doing is just taking a copy of your VM, running through the automated upgrade process, and then just fingers crossed and hope it works.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, that is it for new news this week. We are moving on to the new and improved lightning round. We'll see how it goes this week. trying it out. Uh, Peter, do you have anything to say about this new lightning round format? Since this is technically your segment, uh, no. All right then.
0: Wow, that's uh, that's wonderful.
1: I'm very excited. I'm very excited about the new format.
0: Excellent. Right. It's uh, well, uh, much, much, many fewer opportunities for us to uh, tweak with the the titles of headlines and uh, mess around this time.
1: Yes, yes. indeed. Uh, and so, in the spirit of weekend update, we are bringing you the weekend update lightning round. <laughs> so we will get to it here. Uh, AWS has gotten into the spirit of Carnival by reducing the amount of money that you will extract from you for Lent on R5 and I3 instances in the Sao Paulo region. Let's just hope that Andy Jassy doesn't start wearing Carnival costumes for reinvent announcements. Convinced they'll
2: stop the DOJ and the Orange Goblin from awarding Jedi to the dark side. AWS has announced DOD Level 4 and 5 for 12 new services and two features on GovCloud.
0: Well, that's good, but Azure has announced a new log analytics table pane for logging schemas, which is a a feature release, really, with uh, a clean, modern look. But in this case, the beauty belly scratches the Microsoft Surface.
1: Microsoft has launched a uh, new Azure VPN client. I can only imagine the conversation inside Microsoft went like this. What do you mean Amazon Web Services launched a VPN client last week? And it supports AD and OpenVPN Dag Nabbit, who leaked our roadmap. Ship it now. Ship it now. I don't care it doesn't support Mac or Linux. Just ship it, ship it, ship it.
2: <laughs> Azure SQL Databases has a new automatic tuning default setting for those who need custom performance settings but are super
1: lazy.
0: <laughs> and secrets from public APIs are so yesterday with the new Azure Key Vault
1: private endpoints. For those of you who love to explore the deep, dark archives of your backups, Azure now offers you Backup Explorer. Reven with all those files marked, don't delete ever, that Bob the System admin put on the server in 1998, and no one knows what it does. But the legend of the time someone deleted it, and all of Milwaukee lost power lives on forever. Oops. For those
2: of you leveraging EventBridge and realizing that it sends too much data, AWS is now giving you a lifeline with content filtering. You should check it out. Of course, the easier solution would just be to not send the data in the first place.
0: If there's ever a need for a 10x engineer, Amazon are making it personal, allowing you to bring more attributes to improve relevance. Too bad they still recommend me to buy things I bought years ago.
1: Amazon has added the ability to easily query the billing information of AMI images, giving you one more way to ignore the cost until the bill shows up at the end of the month. Jonathan, what do you mean the SQL Server cost me $46 an hour? Oops. (laughs)
2: Amazon CloudWatch Metrics for Amazon DynamoDB Accelerator, aka DAX, to give you more insights into DAX. This week's winner of the Redundancy Redundancy Award.
0: Oh, I see why. The Redundancy Redundancy Award led into the next thing, which I completely changed now. Skynet can now follow the sun with AWS Ground Station, now delivering cross-region data to help them take over the world faster.
1: AWS has delivered the last missing feature of CodeBuild. The ability to mount EFS volumes, so you can now send ridiculous amounts of money to store and retrieve artifacts. Ching! <laughs> oh, it's about to me again. All right, what? What? Yeah, it's back you. Like Peter always <laughs> goes after Justin. What the, what <laughs> the hell?
0: He changed, totally changes around. <laughs> the change it. it? Sorry. <laughs> just,
2: just keeping us on our toes.
0: AWS <laughs> Systems Manager Run Command now lets you rerun the same commands with a new, pointless, and click interface.
2: Pointless. Pointless. <laughs> wow. Amazon VPC flow logs are now available in one-minute aggregation intervals. Jonathan, apparently, one-minute intervals are contagious. we got to let it go, Peter.
1: <laughs> 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 Amazon RDS for Oracle now supports FIPS 140-2 SSL. What did it support before? MD5? Do I have to pay Oracle another $20 million for this feature? Questions must be answered. And that is it for the lightning round. <sighs> Uh, I don't know. That was a little harder than I thought it would yeah. be. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was pretty fun. It was a good experiment. It was fun. Uh, that
0: good. was yeah. We can do something with it.
1: We'll <laughs> see how it, we'll see how it goes. We'll see what the listeners think. <clears throat> you know, the let listeners us know. Tweet us or tell us on the Slack channel if you like it or not, and we'll uh, we'll we'll keep doing it for a couple of weeks. See how it goes. Maybe we we'll get a little easier as we uh, get into the rhythm. Yeah. Uh, of course, uh, you know things are going on in the next week or two. First of all, uh, if you have not yet followed Ryan Lucas, uh, and as of the recording today, he is up five followers. Uh, nice. But the ens- episode just dropped yesterday. Uh, so if you go out there and you follow Ryan on Twitter at ryan one and you DM me your address, I will send you CloudPod stickers and maybe a surprise. Uh, we'll see. But uh, get that to me by the next time Ryan guest speaks. And you never know when Peter's going to disappear or Jonathan or me and Ryan's going to be here filling in. So you only have a limited time to get that tweet out to us uh, that you have followed Ryan and gotten me the dm of your address and we will get those in the mail asap uh what about you guys what's going on with you out there for next week or so
0: well if you follow ryan i promise to match your uh, your contribution and i will also follow ryan nice
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, <perfect. laughs> for every person that follows ryan i will also follow exactly <laughs>
0: uh next few weeks um I have no idea.
1: You guys are failing you. I Uh, do. Peter said, Peter said, you should have an answer for this, Jonathan? Every week he did. Yeah. Uh, Peter, Peter, do you, do you have something going on next week you want to talk about? Um,
2: You know, I'm catching up from my vacation uh, from all the crap that piles up. And then I'm trying to get ahead for, because I've got in three weeks, I'm going to Tulum, Mexico for a wedding. And so then I got to get caught up, and then I got to get ahead, and then I'm gonna go on to the wedding, and then I'm gonna fall behind, and then I'm gonna catch up again. So, that's me until pretty much the last week in March. That's my life. Uh, does
1: that potentially mean that you're not going to be on the show uh, that week? You're in Mexico. Yeah. Are you? Maybe. Probably. I see, listeners, listeners, get those get those likes and follows, and Jonathan. Yeah, that might be the I might be Ryan. <laughs> that, that might be. You never know. I, I was
0: looking forward to my
1: music and everything. I can't
2: remember if I'm gone in the middle of the week or not, but you know what? Yeah, you should pretty much book Ryan right now.
1: So there you go. You have, you have a couple more weeks. Go, people. Get those get those follows in and those DMs out to me. Or if you're on our Slack channel, you can always just uh, hit me up on Slack too. I'll, I'll take your address there as well. I'm not, I'm not shy. All right. Uh, well, that's it for this week in Cloud, guys. Have a great week.
2: Yep. see you next week. See you next week. And remember... To send us something if you want to do a well architected
1: review with Foghorn. And that is The Week in Cloud. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Foghorn Consulting and Blue Check out our website, The Home of the Cloud Pod, where you can join our newsletter, Slack team, send feedback, or ask questions at thecloudpod.net, or tweet us at hashtag thecloudpod.